This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Irene Omar. I'm the Deputy Group CEO of AirAsia. And what I love about traveling is meeting new people of different cultures and background. And I love discovering the art and culture of each country where I travel to. When you're the largest airline in a country, with more than 100 million passengers last year, and ranked this year by Forbes the best low-cost airline in Asia, you're going to know a lot about what your customers need and want. You'll know about their behavior throughout their journey with you and how you can grow them as a customer of your brand, as an ever-increasingly relevant player. In the travel industry, Air Asia Group is taking that experience and running, or flying with it. With an eye on how technology innovation can disrupt the areas of the travel industry, Air Asia is eyeing for expansion and to be of value to other industry players, and even other industries. Coming up, you'll hear from the company's deputy CEO, on why the airline has made a meaningful play into venture funding and startups, a search for talent worldwide, and investing in unicorns. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Hi, Irene. Hi. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good, good. Um, I was wondering, from your perspective, uh, what do you think makes an airline stand out and really succeed amongst its competitors? I think what's really important is how you make the customer feel um, and how you be able to provide the right kind of services and products for them and make them feel special about it, really. So I think at the end of the day, what the passenger needs is that uh, are we fulfilling uh, their wants and their needs and are we making that journey as seamless as possible for them um, so that that is really important and of course branding is really important too because we, we need to make the whole um, uh, product that we provide something that's also very fun and enjoyable for the uh, passengers uh, to be able to consume it in a way that they never experience in a typical airline and so forth um, so, yeah, I think it's just that element of understanding what they need and their wants and maybe helping them discover what they don't know what they want would be very interesting and exciting for them. Speaking of things that people don't know they don't or no, don't know that they want, yeah. um, you you just had a uh, an exciting announcement with Redbeat Ventures. I mean, we've been in this industry uh, since 2001 and... A lot of the times you use technology in trying to get people into our website or apps and so forth, basically. So we embrace technology in a big way. And because of that, um, we have a lot of data, a lot of data coming from our booking system, from our aircraft operations and from the engines and so forth, basically. And what we discovered is the behavior of our passengers, um, what they like to do, where their um, preference is in terms of having a holiday destinations and so forth. And I think because of that, we can be a bit more personalized and optimized um, what we feel we can offer them um, in terms of making sure that their whole journey is a pleasant one. And when they travel, what else do they need in order to make it um, 
a seamless and efficient uh, whole experience for them. Um, so this is where we be able to provide that services and offer without them realizing that this is actually what they need when they travel or what they think it could actually enhance their whole travel experience. So, so, so does that then mean that really like the investment focus of this fund is going to be around data and, and better utilizing customer data to give them what they want? Or is there kind of a specific focus of the comp- kind of companies that you're going to be looking okay. for? So what, what we've discovered with all this data that we have, we see that the data has become a key asset for us. And what we have seen is that um, with a better visualization of the data, we see that we can build new business opportunities around it. Um, how do we use this data to uh, give better revenues um, for us um, or to give um, a better uh, conversion rate and so forth? And are there any new areas that we can embark into that can help with our core business as well as our ancillary business. Um, And this is where we saw that there are immense opportunity in fintech, for instance, which is the company, BigPay, which is the company that we have in our fintech um, company, Redbit Ventures. And then we saw how we can use loyalty points into something more of a day-to-day activity as opposed to using points to redeem flights. And this means it's a whole lifestyle application that we can use with our loyalty points and how these loyalty points can be your own currency within the whole ecosystem that we have in our offerings to our um, passengers and so forth. Um, So we saw the opportunity on leveraging on the assets that we have built, whether it's the network that we have built, whether it's the brand and market share that we have built in the region of Southeast Asia, and also the data that we have uh, collected and and seen what it can be. So this is where we decided that AirAsia can do more than just be an airline. It has a lot of assets that we can build new business opportunities around it and product better services to our passengers and better offerings, and hence the birth of Rapid Ventures, where we invested in non-airline digital business such as fintech, such as lifestyle and travel technology areas, such as logistic, um, and so forth, basically. Hmm. Interesting. So... For these companies in the loyalty, fintech, and kind of data spaces, what phase do you think you'll be investing when they're very early, um, Series A, Series B? Right. What What is kind of your so, check size and, and what are you looking for? Yeah. So there are actually two parts of Rebit Ventures. There's Rebit Ventures where we incubate companies ourselves. And mm. these are the fintech companies, uh, Big Pay. Our loyalty company, which is called Big Life now, and then we have online platform called Rocky, where we connect. Uh, there's connectivity on the on 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 that on on board, together with all your shopping experiences and communication experiences and so forth. And then we have our logistic company. This is where we actually created these companies and put people uh, in respective companies and build that company. Uh, where they can leverage on what we have already built and scale up. Is that is that sorry? Is that a subsidiary of of AirAsia then, or is yes. that going to be a completely different? It's actually a subsidiary of AirAsia Group. Got it. Um, 
in that process where we try to create value of the companies that we're incubating, we saw also other opportunities in inv- investing in startups um, where it can help with the whole ecosystem of AirAsia and RateBeat Ventures companies in the sense that we probably have a series of pain points in AirAsia that we need to address. Um, and we need to find a solution to address those pain points. And one way is to embrace open innovation and get startups to see if they can help what we're trying to solve. Um, at the same time, also, how can it be something that we can create better value for our companies that we're incubating under Rebeat Ventures? And Rebeat Ventures is where we actually invest and have controlling stakes. Is at least where AirAsia owns 80% of it. And Rebeat Capital is where we saw an opportunity to invest in companies where we feel that it can help strategically uh, create a better value for AirAsia as well as um, Rebeat Ventures. And these are companies we'll probably be investing um, probably not 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 in the controlling stake kind of thing. Areas where we feel that it can be in fintech, it can be in supply chain, it can be in travel and technology space. It could be also supporting um, functions that could help this uh, areas grow, such as cybersecurity and IoT and so forth. Um, and that's the whole idea behind it, where we want to seek for talent all around the world um, be able to provide that solution and disrupt the industry, not just in our own industry, but also in other areas that we're trying to expand to. And what we hope to see is that the products and services that these startups are offering is not just to be of value to AirAsia, but they also need to be able to be of value to other industry players where they can offer that services and products to other industry players and maybe be able to apply that to other industries as well. So hence the reason why we decided to establish this fund and be able to uh, nurture that talent and become a unicorn like how AirAsia became um, when we first started as a low-cost carrier in Southeast Asia. Amazing. Are you doing um, another kind of like logistics question? So is the, the Redbeat Capital side yeah. the one that's going to be uh, investing in open innovation and, and writing checks to external players who have commercial viability at other airlines? Yeah. Um, is that being run uh, by basically on a on a case-by-case basis running down from a fund, or is it completely independent of AirAsia's balance sheet? Um, like, you know, Highgate Ventures, for example, doesn't have a formal fund, but they've invested $60 million on technology in the past right. year or something like that, I think, at this point. Then, you know, how – or is it like you're drawing down from a fund formally, kind of like how JetBlue has, like a completely separate uh, fund? So it's actually – completely separate. It's okay. not in the balance sheets of AirAsia. Um, so we thought that rather than only just AirAsia provide the funds in this capital, uh, in Rate Beat Capital, we thought that why not be able to raise funds globally, especially those who are interested to be part of that journey that we're doing because they have seen our track record and they see the opportunity and potential of investing in companies um, or the space that we uh, we hope to do so. Um, so that's where it's different, it's separate, it's off balance sheet, and um, and we welcome anyone who's interested to invest together with us to create 
you know, unicorns around the world, not just in Southeast Asia, but also in the US, um, um, also in Europe and other places in the world. So are you looking for the other LPs in that fund to be other strategic investors? Or could it be just family offices and um, or, you know, universities, any other sort of LP? Or is it does it necessarily have to be strategic to the space where you're investing? Well, um, it would be good for us, we're quite open, whether it's an LP or whether it's anyone who's interested to put in money into the funds, but it has to potentially be something that they have an appetite for, um, really, because we're looking at a space um, that would help strategically, not only for the aviation industry in, in general, but also in the whole e-commerce platform that we're in, mm. uh, in relation to fintech, in relation to supply chain, in relation to travel and lifestyle technology, even IoT or cybersecurity and so forth. Um, so those are the areas that we're very interested in, 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 in deep tech, as well as in consumer-facing uh, kind of uh, digital uh, investments. And if anyone has got the same kind of idea and understanding and, and, and would like, you know, and meet that same mandate, then we're, we're happy to, to accept anybody who wants to be in the fund. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's interesting. You, you mentioned lifestyle a couple of times. Yeah. I think Tony Fernandez, the uh, founder of AirAsia, when in his talk the other day, he did a book signing here at Voyager and, uh, which you were at and we got to hang out. Uh, <laughs> uh, he had mentioned that um, lifestyle a, a couple times there yeah. as a as approach to what Air Asia, you know, it's not it's more than an airline. It's you know growing to a lifestyle and everything. Yes. So what does that really fall under? Is it like co working? Are those the types of investments that would fall in that category? Is it like consumer other consumer brands completely independent of travel? You know, what What would be an example of lifestyle that you would be looking for in a startup? Um, it's actually, it's, it. if you look at it, it's almost everything. It's not just your travel lifestyle, it's your day-to-day -day lifestyle. How do we incorporate your day-to-day -day lifestyle into your travel lifestyle? Mm -hmm. So that when, for instance, someone goes to Bali, and we know from their day-to-day activities, they go and have a yoga um, sessions three times a week in their day-to-day -day activities. So if they fly over to Bali, we could recommend that, hey, you could do the same thing while you're having your holiday in Bali. You could still practice yoga and and go th uh, to a particular studio for those. Um, so it's like incorporating what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and you can, you're able to do so in a different culture and a different environment and enjoy that day-to-day -day activities in a different country as, and, and meet different people too. So this is a whole different experience than what we were used to when we were growing up traveling and so forth. And I think these days you see travelers are more interested in immersing themselves with the local people, with the local culture, and at the same time to be able to enjoy what they do at home and be able to share that with different uh, people and in a different environment. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been interesting? I know they're off the market, like WeWork already bought them, but wouldn't it have been interesting if, say, like meetup.com got acquired by AirAsia 
and, or like invested in and somehow leveraged that yeah. that network for activities like mm-hmm. group activities like yoga or something like that right and just like speculating with that i just could imagine that like a totally different trajectory for that yeah because i feel like i don't know if you're seeing the same thing best but there's there's a bunch of social travel like yeah. apps yes. in the market right yeah. and they're yeah. all trying to basically do like a certain component of what meetup.com was doing locally right um and it I think it's really tough because you can't really, um, you know, the user acquisition cost is really high. There's, there's a bunch yeah. of hurdles to that. Yeah. Um, but it, just like speculating, wouldn't it have been nice if meetup.com had just gotten like a bunch of travel deals? You know what <laughs> <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah, I suppose this is where we see the beauty of how we can work with startups because mm-hmm. for them, uh, customer acquisition is very costly yeah, for brutal. us. We are making profit already out of the customer that we have. Mm-hmm. And we carry over 100 million passengers per year um, in a region which is one of the fastest growing region in the world, which is Southeast Asia. And it continues to grow. Um, so this is where when we work with startups, they immediately have access to what we already have in relation to the markets that we operate in, in relation to the database that we already have. And that means they can scale up faster and they can grow faster. And at the same time, if it's a technology that we find very interesting and could actually help us to speed up the growth to where we want to be as a digital corporation, then that's where we are happy to make that investment. And we're happy to look at talent worldwide to make that happen. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstopodcast.com. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. How about the Asian market specifically? So, you know, just looking at year-over-year growth pro- projections um, and just kind of the future of travel industry, everything is pointing to Asia, right? Yeah. Um, Asian travelers are traveling more and more than anywhere else in the world. Um, why do you think this is? And how do you guys plan on capitalizing on that specifically and growing due to just 
the yeah. level of traffic in your area? I think is really in relation because the economic situation in Asia is growing faster than any other economy in the world. Right, right. I mean, you look at Southeast Asia, it is uh, the fastest growing GDP, is one of the fastest growing GDP in the world. It's got one of the fastest growing middle income earners in the world too. And he's got a young population base which has a median age of about 27 and 28 years old. And I think because of that and because that we're more and more connected with the in the age of the internet and so forth, that people are more curious to see what's out there than just their own country and so forth. Mm. And the fact that it's low-cost travel. Right. So it, you know, it helps them be able to travel more regularly to different cultures or different countries and have a different experience. And sometimes we see that a lot of this is happening where people are traveling over the weekend to Bali or to Phuket or apart from from in their own domestic markets. And I think um, Asians themselves um, are just quite curious to see what's out there. Right. And um, they're probably the best travelers in the sense that they they would look at every historical <laughs> site or, 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 or travel attractions, and they're great shoppers. <laughs> um, they're great so shoppers. Hence, what defines a great shopper? I yeah, love they love shopping. <laughs> I think when someone comes out from a, a, a different economic phase, yeah. this naturally happens, That's right? That's a great point. Yeah. So, so I, I, I look at every country's um, goal is that everyone wants to have a Chinese tourist in their country. Everyone wants to have yeah. an Indian tourist. Yeah or a tourist from Asia because naturally they are um, happy to do everything that needs to be done in relation to keeping up with increasing the foreign reserve of a, of, of, of the uh, respective countries, really. Yeah. And do you think, you know, if the economy does take a turn, right? Yeah. And there has been some fluctuation in China specifically recently. You gave yeah. that example. Do you think that China... that air travel will stay stable or do you think that if the economy does shift that your business will will take a turn along with it i think mm. it will stay stable uh, really because now people see that it becomes a necessity to travel by air before it was just a luxury right mm-hmm. uh, item or luxury service uh, but now we see that um, people are very used to going to places using um, air as opposed to by car or by land transportation. And what we have seen also, there's um, more growth. If you, if you compare to the US and to Europe, you would see that at least 60% of the population use air travel as a form of transportation. In Asia, we haven't actually reached that level yet. Um, and if you look at Europe and the U.S., land transportation is quite sophisticated in Asia. It's not all countries have reached that level, too. Um, so there's a lot of room for growth. And the fact that low-cost travel is around, it facilitates them to be able to move and be mobile, not just in terms of tourism and travel for leisure, but also for them to be able to expand their businesses mm-hmm. beyond their own country so they can start having a regional business almost immediately as opposed to wait for 
traditionally, you know, during our parents' time, they would probably be waiting to grow their business domestically before they actually have that confidence to grow internationally. But now you see right. new startups, they're going regional almost immediately already. Right. It's almost like they have to. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when we build bridges, when we build more connectivity into the region, you're naturally also building the economic uh, well-being as well, because when there's connectivity, then a lot of industries are able to grow. This might be a, a pointed question, but I'm curious. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some there's obvious unicorns that have come out of Southeast Asia, like Grab and, and Gojek. Mm. And, um, but if you are there any that you're very impressed with? in particular that you really like say like, wow, they knocked it out of the park. And like, that's the type of company we want to invest in uh, with Redbeat. Mm. Yeah, there, there are quite a few interesting companies in Southeast Asia. That oh, yeah. They're very, <laughs> quite very, very I love it. I aggressive, love <laughs> uh, really. And, um, and it's, it's, uh, they could. It, it's probably in a different field, not, not, the, not like the Gojeks and the Grabs, although I find Gojek extremely creative in what they do and even though they dominate the Indonesian market but they can easily roll out to other regions uh, other countries in the region as well um, there's been quite a few very interesting ones uh, whether it's in the media space um, or whether it's in the uh, data analytics space so there's a lot of things coming out in Southeast Asia it's a whole spectrum of things um, but what we've seen in Southeast Asia is mostly more consumer driven Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a deep technology kind of thing, really. So um, this is where we feel investments in Southeast Asia in that line when it's more consumer-driven, knowing what we need to offer uh, to to fill in the gap that you see in Southeast Asia in terms of the consumer uh, services and products. And you combine that with the deep tech that you find in Silicon Valley. You can actually create a very powerful product um, which is probably something that would lead the way in any industry in our part of the world and m mostly in the world also yeah um, I would like to get it you know even further back into to air Asia perhaps but one thing that it um, that I'd be curious about since you've now started this incubator with companies that you already have yeah kind of particular objectives for yeah um, with the new more open innovation approach yeah how are you hoping to to support the startups post investment? You know, how are you hoping to integrate them into Air Asia? I think the good thing about me is because I play a dual role. I mean, I'm in charge of technology and digital in Air Asia. At the same time, I'm also in charge of the venture arm, repeat ventures, uh, and so forth. So, whenever we see an interesting startups. What I'll do is that I'll get the rest, the relevant heads of department to be part of it and say, can you listen up? Can you listen to them, hear, hear them out and see whether their product or services can help you in addressing some of your problems that you're facing right now? And it usually works. So what I do is like I'll get them together. They will have maybe a video call and so forth. I'll make sure our chief product officer is also there to assess the technology that the startup has. And then they will continue that conversation and then it probably progress to a POC or a pilot uh, project and so forth. And if, it's, and if it's successful, 
then, you know, it could actually continue to be something of a licensing kind of relationship. Or if we see that whatever that they, the startup is actually creating is something of real value, and we feel that it's probably a good thing to invest, then we'll do that investments. So from the very beginning, I will get that buy-in from the relevant heads of department in AirAsia and make them work closely with the startups. So this is the beauty that the startups will have if they, they you know, if we invest in them, they will immediately get that access and they'll be able to test their product and scale up faster. It's interesting. Um, we've seen it a, a bunch of different ways with how we worked with some of our enterprise companies that, um, that we partner with. And... Um, that it's you're essentially acting as now the innovation officer, right? And right. by doing this cross department kind of approach, mm-hmm. um, and but you're going commercial first before any investment. So you're saying there must be some commercial viability through this pilot, and then we'll make a strategic investment should right. we think that there's scalability to the existing pilot's results. Right. Um, the thing that um, that I've seen kind of hiccup sometimes is mm-hmm. if uh, say a director level or um, depending if the head of that department doesn't have the right communications for the implementation of that test um, with a director level or VP who's ever actually handholding the startup, mm-hmm. it can quickly become a side project and very difficult when you have very important revenue lines or product roadmap goals right. for the existing enterprise company. Is this something you've already seen with some of the companies that you have as subsidiaries or is this something that... And you guys are going to start testing out and kind of explore yeah. how to get no, everybody I involved think on the ground. What's really important is that we need to identify the easiest way mm-hmm. is for us to need to identify what are our pain points, what right. are our problems that we're facing right now. And each department do have a lot of problems, right? So it's coming from the department. The pain points coming from them, yes. not from you. So as a start, what I'll do is I'll go around various heads and say, what are your problems? Give me your pain points. So they gave me a list. And then we'll go through it and then I will work with our tech team. Are we able to solve this problem? And if the tech team says, okay, I can do this, but this is a bit impossible to do. We probably need help from outside to do this. And then I'll look at our business partners. Are they able to solve this with us, whether Mm. it's GE or Airbus or Google or Palantir and so forth? And the business partners can do it. And then I'll say, okay, let's look at startups out there. Or sometimes we do it concurrently with the business partners and the startups. And then we'll see who has the better solution. Um, And then they'll do the necessary testing with the relevant heads. And if you start by saying, what is your problem? And how can I help you solve it? Then they are more open to telling you you know what it is, and yeah. and 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 be able to work closely with uh, your solution, whether it's from a startup or from a business partner, or from our own tech team and so forth. So that's the idea behind it in, t- in getting that immediate buy-in. Um, and usually, even if there is no commercial value in a certain startup, but we see a, a real potential on what they're building, sometimes what we'll do is like we go over to certain heads and including our chief product officer, and say, what can we co-develop with this startup? What are the use cases we think that if we guide them and tell them where their um, technology or their ideas can be implemented in a real interesting way, um, how can we do this together with them so we can scope that work and work that project and so forth. And and usually the heads of departments are really open to doing this because they too are really bogged down with a lot of work and problems and they want to find ways to help them ease that 
problem and and work better and more efficient. We found that too, just kind of the push and pull, right? It can yeah. be the best company in the world, but if there's no use case or need or pain point, as you said, from the org, or if the timing just isn't right, yes, it's never going to work. And then you start, you know, hurting your relationship with your portfolio companies. That's true. Um, if if they do think that they're going to get implemented back and they're not able to to do so, yeah. um, so it is. Corporate venture definitely does have some perils, but then it has a lot of upside, right, when you do get that buy-in. Yes, and I think it's really important to understand the issues and understand what kind of solutions are out there, and then you can match them. And I think once you do that, it will be very fast in terms of uh, progress and so forth, yeah. to laugh do you love great interviews with a lot of heart do you like good stories do you like to hear about life well good news because if you listen to a show called funny people talking all of that happens right danielle all of it happens every single thing you said on that list and more elsie does any of it not happen it all happens Come on, Elsie. It really happens. Okay, well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere you can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking. Ah. Irene, what is a moment that you feel most in your element? It could be, it could be with work, or it could be like exercising. You're just chilling and watching TV. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like most to you, and why? Oh wow, that's a very deep question. <laughs> <laughs> um, most me, as in like, okay, um, I'm, if I think it's I can't just give one answer. It's probably a few answers. Um, most likely when I'm swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just me trying to reach a certain goal and then during that period of trying to do a certain a certain number of laps laps, sometimes ideas come uh into play and sometimes I start thinking about new things and so forth while I try to distract myself uh into how many hours I should be uh, mm. Swimming, or not hours, sorry, <laughs> how many minutes I should be swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I was already and really so impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also, when I'm in a different country, and I'm very curious about what's out there in that country, how people uh, go about their day-to-day uh, lives, and also how they work. And usually, when, uh, when I just walk around the neighborhood by myself, um, that's where I get inspired by a few things around me or, or, or I discover some things and, and, and then that's where ideas comes in and so forth really and, and how I can reflect what, you know, what my experience has been so far and what I see in my own eyes in a different environment. Um, so sometimes that can be quite inspiring and it gives me great reflection of what I've been doing, uh, what I think life could be really. 
incredibly articulate and succinct <laughs> yeah. answer to a very deep question. How long have you been swimming for? I've been swimming since I was, I don't know, four years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But I'm, I'm not really a fantastic swimmer. I'm not competitive. I just do it for exercise and I like being in, in water generally. <laughs> I find that too. A lot of times people who are very kind of type A in business or just in their day-to-day work yeah. um, like having a side exercise where they don't necessarily have anything competitive. It's not a yeah. race. Like I find a lot of people who are marathon runners are people who might not necessarily be competitive at work, but yeah. that's how they get it out. So I love that you have that balance. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I go to the pool after doing a few laps, I would just be floating in the pool and just looking up the sky and that's already, you know, something that's content for me already. It's mm-hmm. just you feel free and and enjoy what's around you. Maybe you could say that's in your element. I'm not so sure. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's a great response. Now, since I'm the yang to John's yang, I'm going to ask a, <laughs> a uh, I guess, very different kind of question. Sure. So you are on the road a lot, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you like to go when you're traveling for work? Um, what city do you kind of find yourself escaping um, to when, you know, you have meetings and you kind of step away and you really enjoy where you are? Always New York City. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> this was not a seated question, audience. No, not at all. I love I mean, I can... I can go shopping. <laughs> I can go see a musical. Um, I can enjoy different kind of cuisine over here. I can also check out what's happening in the museums. I can go to Central Park and enjoy uh, the environment there and so forth. There's always something happening in New York City, and I always enjoy my stay here for business or for leisure. Sponsored by the Tourism Board of New York City. No. So when you are here, um, what do you make sure that you do or what's your must-see besides the cronut that you said <laughs> that you had for breakfast this morning? Um, what I like to do mostly is to go to Central Park. Beautiful. Yeah. Come even to the in the winter. to see nature, yeah. Yeah, even in the winter, really, because there's a lot of things that you could see which is really interesting i mean just looking at people around you too what they do and and all that it's just it's it's nice it has a lot of activities a lot of things going on yeah do some ice skating near the gapstow bridge yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well um is there a final thought that you'd like to share with us could be a reflection on some of the things we talked about today could be just reflection on your experiences overall Uh, something that you'd like to leave the listener with Hmm. Well, I think there's um, there's always a solution to everything, and that's what I always live by my motto: that never give up. There's there's always many ways to solve a problem, um, and um, and I think that's got to where I am today because of that. Um, and I think we can apply that to innovation as well mm. um, in relation to what I mentioned earlier about our heads of department. Each of them would have a problem in terms of you know, performing their job better or achieving the goals that they need in their respective departments. There are many ways 
to address that. And it's not just in terms of the solution you find in the company, but how can you find externally to help that solve that problem, whether it's um, through startups or whether through working with universities and so forth. And having an open mind um, actually will help. And, and being humble about it as well. I mean, humility gets you to many places and it goes a long way. And that's something that's really important because if you feel you know everything, you're already on the verge of being arrogant. Um, so it's always important to, to be humble. That's great. And um, if I'm a startup or, or really any listener, um, is there a way that I can get in touch with you or perhaps your work at Redbeat or, or AirAsia? Sure. You can always email me at irenomar at airasia.com. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you, Irene, for coming on the show. Um, for Bess. Happy trails. I'm John. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.